you're providing a unique service and your brand is largely unknown, how do you make prospective customers aware of your business? Nathan LeBenz, the founder and CEO of Waymark, experienced just this challenge. He joins us today to reveal the process he went through to get discovered. He's going to talk about how he ultimately got real traction through partnerships and how he started with advertising. And he'll even share his list of seven things to do before you spend money on ads. Don't miss this one. Welcome to Marketing Made Easy by Jotful. I'm Don Verbrigge, Jotful CEO, two-time entrepreneur, former business school professor, and your host. I'm here to have practical and fun conversations with people who know a thing or two or three about how to get more customers for your business. Can you just start by giving us a little bit of an overview about what Waymark is and what it does and tell us a little bit about your background. We'd love to hear how you got here today, Nathan. Yeah, sure thing. Well, Waymark is uh, an online business. In in some ways, it's quite similar to Jotful. We're online at waymark.com. And we call our product Anyone Can Edit Video, which is um, really meant to suggest... You know, my, I kind of always joke, like, we, we try to make video creation so easy that my dad can do it. My uh-huh. recently, reti- recently retired dad on his iPhone 5. And, you know, what you find on the site is kind of a, it's even a little bit less than do it yourself, because what we've got there for you is a pretty large library of really beautiful templates. Mm-hmm. I think one thing we do that that stands out uh, in the space at Waymark is we really emphasize the quality of the creative. Uh, so we've got an awesome creative team that has built out this this massive library of content over time. And you know what we try to make as easy as humanly possible is going in there and kind of customizing a given video template to your own brand, your own purposes. Um, and then you know in just a few minutes, you can go through that process, ultimately download a video and go publish it um, you know for any and all kind of marketing and, and communications advertising use cases. So we'll talk a little bit more about some of those today. Actually, Nathan, would this be a great moment for me to show everybody what I did for Jotful using your software? Yeah, I, you know what? I, I would love to see it. All right. So your intrepid host here, you may remember from last week, I actually read the book that our, that our guest wrote. This week, I actually created a, an ad using Waymark software from our guest. So, so everybody can see the screen, right? You can see it, right, Nathan? I can see it. All right. So hold on. Let's back it up to the beginning. I've downloaded it here. Okay, so I actually made this using Waymark software. I, I'll tell you, Nathan, it probably took me one hour or so to make it, and I just swapped out the text and the images for my own. The the music and everything was already there, so everybody can see what we can make. We love it. I'll tell you, the team really loves it. Um, really great for morale, actually. I shared it with everybody. Everybody was really excited about it. We've been running it, actually, on YouTube as an ad, uh, to warm audiences. So we're testing it out. We're seeing how it goes. It was really, really fun to make, really easy to make, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So tell us a little bit, Nathan, about how you were able to begin marketing this business. Because I know the challenge for a business like Waymark is that people aren't searching in Google for terms that are relevant to your business. They're they're looking for other things. They're looking for marketing help, but they aren't thinking to look for, I don't know, some sort of customize your own video software. So how were you able to get in front of people, especially in the beginning? Talk to us about the process. 
Yeah, well, we've, we've tried uh, quite a few things over time. And honestly, you know, some of the things that have, have worked best and kind of most repeatedly and reliably for us are, are some fairly <laughs> obvious uh, things. But I, I think the problem that we had, you know, is a problem that a lot of businesses face. It's obviously a vast over, oversimplification to say yes. that there's you know, <laughs> two kinds of businesses out there. But um, in general, you know, I kind of contrast things like a plumber, you know, where typically people know they need a plumber when they need a plumber. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very sort of incident driven, you know, I've got a leak right now and I need to get it fixed. Right. So I need a plumber. So naturally I go searching for the plumber and for businesses that are like that, that are kind of episodic and really sort of in the moment uh, need based, you know, that's almost the epitome of the kind of business that is perfect for search marketing. Oh yeah. And so Google, you know, of course, dominating that space is the the big thing that uh, businesses like that can and and typically are doing first to acquire Mm -hmm. new customers. Many businesses though, are not like that. If you've created something new, if you've, you know, if you've got a a service that people, uh, you know, have never heard of, or don't, don't tend to think a lot about, or there's no kind of immediate trigger in their lives that leads them to start searching for you, then you've got to kind of take a different sort of approach, right? And that is uh, typically you've got to go out there and and find your audience. You've got to build the Mm -hmm. awareness that you even exist in order yeah. to get people to engage with your business. So, you know, Nathan, that, I would, I would argue that there's another group of people who would fall into that same category. And these are companies where there's just intense competition. And of course, I'm thinking very specifically of Jotful here, but you know, you can search and you can say, I'm looking for somebody to build a website for me, but it's already an extremely crowded space. And it's really, really hard to stand out just on search alone. So it's a great idea to sort of go out and find those audiences another way. So I'd throw that in there as another group. Yeah, competition is a super interesting dynamic and it it kind of applies differently, I think, across the different platforms. But there mm-hmm. are some very, and maybe we'll have time to go into a little bit more depth on that, but there, there are some really interesting dynamics around competition. Uh, but just mm-hmm. in general, you know, if you're the kind of business that needs to go find your customers instead of, you know, waiting for them to, to start searching for you. Yes. Typically the Facebook advertising platform is the kind of number one, most common, most effective uh, advertising platform for many businesses today. That's not going to be true for everyone. It certainly depends on on the specific business that you have. And you you may have an idea about where your audience is likely to be hanging out. Uh, But if you are just trying to reach kind of a a good sized audience of of people who are online and kind of killing time and interested in new things, Facebook is really, really good at that. And there's a reason that they have grown to be uh, such a massive advertising platform and and really the the first place that most small business owners uh, tend to go. Is so that we where you like, went first? Uh, we Yes. I mean, we've tried, we tried a bunch of stuff um, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I've tried, we are, we're a startup that is venture capital backed. Mm-hmm. So we are, you know, a bit, um, maybe more resourced than your typical, we still operate in many ways like a small business, but you know, we have a bit more resources behind us than a, a typical um, local business owner would have. And so we have had, you know, dedicated marketing professionals, folks who really know performance advertising, and we have had enough budget to at least go test out a variety of, of different platforms. So we've done Facebook, we've done LinkedIn, we've done search, we've done YouTube, we've done Pinterest, we've done 
um, you know, those kind of sponsored articles that you see at the bottom of, you know, a CNN article or, sure. or what have you. Um, we've done email campaigns. We've, you know, we've kind of pay, paid for placement in other uh, businesses, email newsletters from time to time. And really, it is it has been pretty clear in our experience. And I think it is the case for probably 80% plus uh, of the businesses that we've worked with that Facebook in general will give you the highest cost per click and the the most uh, kind of engaged audience for your dollar. Not to mention the most real traffic. I mean, that's another thing that, you know, if you're, if you're not um, careful, some of these other platforms, um, not so much the big ones, like LinkedIn is, is pretty trustworthy. Obviously, Google and, and YouTube are, are pretty trustworthy. Um, Pinterest, I would even say too, is, you know, is trustworthy since I mentioned them by name. Um, but you get into kind of the longer tail, some of the display sort of stuff. You can run into issues of just like, this platform is telling me that a bunch of people clicked on my stuff, but I don't really see any web traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Facebook does the best job of taking those issues off the table. It gives you the typically the best cost per click, typically the highest intent audience. And typically when you really dig in and validate, you know, did people actually show up at my website in the way that they said um, we've been able to validate with, with very high fidelity that that is indeed true. So for again, eight, maybe nine out of 10 businesses, I would say the the best platform in terms of the highest ROI is, is likely to be Facebook. And at a minimum, you know, that's kind of the place that I would typically recommend starting. If you fall into the category that you described earlier, which is not the category of people for whom there are a lot of searches and high intent searches already. If you're looking for a plumber, right? If you're a plumber, you're probably going to want to be on Google ads first before Facebook. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, everybody probably should do Google too. It's just that your volume is going to be so limited that it can, or it can often be so limited that it can be really hard to drive business growth. So for us, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of in a, a somewhat more nascent, um, but analogous, you know, space to, to what you're in with websites. People do know, of course, that like there are businesses out there that can help them with video. So people do search for that. But when we look at the Google um, you know, ad tools and, and just look at how many searches they're seeing, it has actually kind of surprised us at how small it is. It's not that there's none. And so we do participate mm-hmm. in that space um, and do try to compete for those clicks. But you can kind of just see at the top, and this is something that's pretty straightforward to do for your business. You know, you can kind of see like how much opportunity is there to really compete for traffic. Mm-hmm. And, and if there's not much, you know, then there's not really much you can do as a small business to change that, right? I mean, it, it, there's there's not really a way to shift people's search uh, patterns without somehow going out and, and creating awareness that doesn't already exist. And Waymark is primarily B2B, right? You sell to other businesses as opposed to consumers, Right. Yes, we're we're B two B and B two SMB. So you know we we work yeah. with a wide range of businesses that you know at the at the small end are often you know individual people like mm-hmm. a single real estate agent you know trying to promote themselves, trying to promote their listings, um, and want to have you know nice looking quality video to do that. We also do work with some enterprises that have um, you know obviously a lot more resources and a lot more going on. But the common denominator still with those bigger customers is that they have some group of users that they want to empower from a marketing standpoint. Mm-hmm. So we also, for example, um, Ford is a is a Waymark customer. And they 
don't use us for their national TV campaigns, of course, but what they do use us for is creating a library that all of their dealers can tap into to go make mm-hmm. content so that they can do stuff, you know, much more efficiently, um, both in terms of, co- you know, dollars cost and in terms of time cost in their local markets, um, as yeah, well as, you know, they try to uh, try to make sure that all the content is good too, which is, you know, sometimes a challenge uh, as they wrangle, you know, thousands of dealers. You know, there are a couple of things you said here, Nathan, that I just really love. One is that you sell to businesses and yet you're talking about how valuable Facebook has been for your business, even though most people think of Facebook as a way to reach a consumer audience. And if you're reaching businesses, you know, LinkedIn, for example, is a, is a really great way to reach them because you can go and you can you can target specific businesses or you can target businesses of a certain size or businesses in a particular geographic region in a way that's much harder with Facebook because they are they're people, right? They're not they're not reaching businesses. So I think that that's really interesting. The second thing is I just love that you're more well resourced than probably everybody who's listening today. And yet you went through the process of testing all of these out, right? You would try Pinterest, you tried everything. And I think it gives all of us a little bit of hope that, you know, we're all throwing a bunch of spaghetti against the wall. And all we need to do is find the one that's going to stick. And even businesses that are really well resourced and have marketers on staff and can afford to pay for that, go through the exact same process that everybody else does. Yeah, there's kind of no, you know, there's there's no substitute for really getting out there and trying it. I, I think, you mm-hmm. know, uh, everything that I can offer in terms of recommendations or guidelines is to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. You know, it, it's it's the best guess, I think, for what, you know, would work mm-hmm. for any kind of business in general. Um, but, you know, there's, again, there's really no substitute for actually getting in there and, and trying it and and uh, you know, it, for eight out of ten, that may all my recommendations may be true, but that still means you know, there's one in five listening on the call who uh, right. may find something different. So you know, that's always really important to keep in mind. Yeah, awesome. So I know that you have a list of the seven things business owners should try before they ever start paying for ads. Do you want to share those with us, just so we get an idea? Yeah. So this is something that comes up, you know, for us a lot, right? Because our platform is about creating video. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly are a, a variety of different use cases that, that people need video for, but the number one use case that ultimately gets small businesses making video on our site is advertising. So much like you know, you said you're running that that video on YouTube, it's typically Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, those are kind of the first ones. We do support TV advertising and OTT and streaming TV uh, as well. And, you know, there's a variety of other things, but typically advertising is the number one thing. So mm-hmm. it comes up a lot that people will say, you know, hey, I, I made this video. I went out and, you know, spent some money on an advertising campaign and nothing really happened, you know, or I, or I was not sure what happened. I'm not really sure what, if anything came of it, you know. Uh, so I, I've had this conversation so many times that I've started to develop a bit of a, <laughs> a checklist of like, okay, as much as, you know, we want people to come use our product and, and make videos and, and go use them for advertising and other purposes, you really should do these kind of basic things before you go mm-hmm. start spending money on advertising because, you know, that money can go pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Facebook certainly and, and Google and, you know, the platforms all have tools where you can kind of control your spending and say, hey, I'm going to spend just even a couple dollars a day. Uh, so it doesn't, uh, you don't have to spend a lot. I think, you know, most people are probably pretty familiar with the fact that 
you can start advertising on the digital platforms at a very low starting budget, but that budget can go really quick. And so I think, you know, it's important to, and, and obviously budgets are limited uh, for most small and, and local businesses. So I think it's really important to kind of make sure that you have the the basics in order. Um, the, the things that I'm going to kind of run through here are things that I would say, by and large, if you don't do these things, you're just playing at such a disadvantage in the advertising game that I honestly wouldn't expect much success. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's probably more to do and you know, everybody's journey will be a little bit different. But these are the kinds of things that I would say every business really should do in order to have uh, a, a solid chance of getting good ROI from digital marketing. We'll hear more from our guest right after this brief break. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a business owner. And if you're a business owner in need of a new website, but you really don't want to build it yourself, check out Jotful. Jotful will build you a professional website that both looks great and includes all the marketing best practices. So we'll actually get the job done for your business. And it's affordable. In fact, it's only about 10% of what you typically expect to pay an agency or designer. Even better, you can give it a try today for free. At Jotful, we'll make you a free sample website so you can see if it's a good fit for your business before you ever even sign up. Visit us at Jotful.com to request a free sample website for your business. That's J-O-T-T-F-U-L.com. And now, back to the show. And to cut in here from a second, for a second, are these things that we should do even if we're not running paid ads, even if we're running organic content? Uh, some some of, them? of them are, yes. And, and others are maybe less important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we can, I mean, that'll probably be fairly self-evident as right. we go through. Um, some of them are, are kind of advertising specific. And it matters, you know, it matters more when you're putting more dollars into it, right? Like if you're, if you're purely posting organic sure. content, um, you know, kind of any, anything is a win, right? Any, any media, any awareness that you can earn is yeah. kind of a win. But when you're really starting to spend money, you need to see, you know, it, it, money needs to come out as well. Uh, and hopefully, you know, reasonably quickly. So yes, uh, this is really, this list is kind of geared toward that, but certainly some of these things, you know, are just good to do, you know, kind of regardless of where you are in your business. All right. All right. So here's the list, seven things. Um, they're kind of maybe even seven categories, a couple, a couple sub points. So uh, first thing is site basics. This is one that, you know, certainly uh, your Jotville customers will have this, you know, kind of included in, in the, the service that you provide. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's amazing how many small business websites they go to still today that are not mobile accessible. Or, and, or so slow. This is a big problem. People will run an ad, send traffic to their website. The website loads so slowly that a lot of the people who click, you pay for the click to visit the website, drop off and don't even bother for it loading. So you paid for the click and you never got the visitor. Yeah. So that is, a, that is another great uh, point. So 90% typically of the clicks that you will get from a, certainly from a Facebook or an Instagram campaign. And I think people are probably aware of this, but Facebook and Instagram is the same advertising platform across those properties. 90% typically will be mobile. 
Mm-hmm. So if you have a website that, you know, either doesn't load fast enough for people to hang around and, and see it, or it loads and, you know, kind of needs a magnifying glass, the back button reflex is just so strong these yeah. days that you really don't stand, you know, much of a chance. Yeah. So got to have the the mobile side there. Um, and then the the extension of that is make sure you have kind of a clear and easy to to accomplish call to action that people can complete in you know just a few seconds. We yeah. typically put that right on the page and often right above the fold. So a, a flow that we've often put on our site is you click on our our ad, you come to the site and we ask you for two pieces of information out of the gate your business name and your business phone number. And we use that to kind of bootstrap an account and get you going. Um, we don't even ask for a password. We're not, you know, this is not yet becoming a login, uh, but really just trying to make sure that we know who you are and we have a way to reach out to you and we can kind of, you know, get the rest later. Um, we've, I see, you know, tons of things, tons of sites too, where it's like, 12 pieces of, you know, of information requested on the the contact page or the lead form. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is a classic deterrent to people who, you know, they're probably not that invested just yet. You know, in in many cases, they're kind of almost using this as like a bookmarking type of activity where they're like, oh, that's, you know, and again, keeping in mind, this is not something they're searching for, right? They're kind of killing time. They may be between Mm -hmm. things. Maybe, you know, their next meeting may be in five minutes or whatever. But they're kind of, oh, okay, this is interesting, interesting enough to engage with a bit, give them a way to like actually opt into your, you know, future communication uh, without making it such a big burden that it becomes like, oh, you know, forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, another really good trick for this, um, this can be a, I, I think you, you need to do this ultimately on the website, but in a pinch, uh, you can also use in Facebook lead forms. They have a, a product um, where you don't even have to, as a user, you don't even have to leave the Facebook interface and they'll kind of collect the leads directly for you within Facebook. Uh, the downside of that is, you know, people don't go to your website. They don't get a sense for your brand. There's not, there's very limited information there. And often people are a little bit like, I'm not quite ready to give you that information. I was just kind of clicking to like learn some more. I wasn't quite ready to sign up immediately. So finding that right balance, right? And how much did your, again, everybody's journey is a little bit different. So how much did your ad communicate? How much do they know? Do they need more information before they're going to be hooked? Um, you know, all those all those little variables are, are really important, but it's got to be readable on a phone and it's got to be doable on a phone to, to sign up and, and kind of get, you know, on your mailing list. So that is the first one. Boils down to make sure you have a, a solid mobile landing page experience uh, because 90 plus percent of your traffic is probably going to come on a mobile device. And there's not much you can do to avoid that, by the way. You can segment and say, I only want to advertise on desktop devices, but your audience goes way down, your costs mm-hmm. go way up, yeah. um, and that has its own you know, set of problems. So you just have to be able to compete um, effectively on, on mobile. Um, second thing is you know, just kind of clarity of your value prop and like what they are going to get. You know, sometimes people call this kind of the the tripwire or the hook or the giveaway or, you know, the sort of what's in it for me. Um, what we have experimented with over time is 
creating a sample video for the for the user. Like if you sign up now, give a, you know, tell us who you are, give us your contact information. We will make a sample for you. It sounds like you have a very similar uh, flow at Joppa from what I saw in the the video at the top. We do. Uh, yeah. But just making it really clear to people what this is. Uh, it's so it's so common that people kind of have this um, too abstract, you know, of language or or kind of leave people asking these like fundamental questions like what am, what is going on here? And we find honestly every time we relaunch a landing page, we really have to discipline ourselves about focusing in on that and making sure that the the kind of headline and I'm talking you know eight words probably at most um, is just super crystal clear and has like a very tangible value prop so that people are you know engaged enough to kind of take that next step again the, the back button um, reflex you know just at the first sign of confusion or the first sign of like wait what was I even doing here? Um, you know, the back button is just so accessible, right? And there's just so much more content in the feed. So we tend to do things that are like, get a sample, beautiful video for your business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just try like starting off with that get, you know, what you get for taking this kind of next step. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of thing you typically do have to test. I, I, it's a weird uh, dynamic, but, you know, it certainly has applied to us. A lot of times people kind of, are so into their own business and so, you know, so familiar with their own needs that, or what their their own services and and what, you know, what the needs of the customer are that they're meeting, that they kind of fail to bring that to the fore. Um, So we've certainly, you know, made that mistake many times. And the difference between kind of the first thing that we write in terms of copy and then the thing that really works is often like a 10x difference. Mm-hmm. And it's largely it, in yeah. just that initial messaging. And that could yeah. be the same, you know, that could be, I'm talking now within you have a mobile, you know, friendly site and everything's kind of usable. But like, what is that first sentence that you're going to tell people a bad or kind of a starter, not even a bad, but like a decently designed, like well-functioning, but not very well messaged landing page mm-hmm. for us will often see like a 2% throughput. And the best that we can achieve typically is upwards of 20%. Wow. And that's great. And that, I mean, we, we work pretty hard to get to that 20%. Um, but you know, that's literally the difference between totally failing in your advertising and, you know, and getting good ROI, um, yeah. as you'd imagine, right. To a 10 X increase in, in leads or 10 X increase in, you know, contacts added to your, your mailing list or whatever. Um, it just, you know, that makes all the difference, right? So there's a few kind of, I think you make a really great point there about language. Um, even if you're selling to businesses using highly technical terms or using jargon is just confusing for people when they first land on the page. And I think the process of redoing it and redoing it and showing it to more people. And eventually what happens is it starts to become more informal and then people can actually understand what you're saying. And that's pretty key for these messaging. Yeah. It's really easy to kind of forget that, you know, the, the classic, like what's in it for me and the, you know, the, the, so there's something that we see in video um, that also applies to websites, but it's, you know, we know the video side of it extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facebook will actually show you a graph of this, the, the user retention or the viewer retention over time, something like, and it, it of course depends on your content, but as a general rule of thumb, 90 plus percent of people will move on 
from your content within three seconds mm-hmm. when you're running a, a Facebook uh, ad campaign. Mm-hmm. So that means you've only got obviously you know 10% or fewer that are sticking around for more than three seconds. Obviously, you want to keep as many people you know engaged past that three seconds. They can't take any actions in three seconds. So all those people are pretty well lost. So making sure that you have something that they can understand in three seconds and not feel lost, uh, not feel kind of confused, not feel like, I don't really know what this is saying. Um, because that's really all the time you have to get to earn that next you know handful of seconds to really start to communicate more. Um, so if you're you know doing you, there are of course you know there are analytics tools that you can do and you can get sophisticated with all this kind of stuff but a really really simple way to test this kind of thing is to literally you know get in person with someone have your website on a phone and literally just show them the phone for like two to three seconds yeah and then you can ask them like what did i just show you what do you think that was about uh, you know what did you take away from that and if they are able to answer that question you know with a general sense of like what your business is and and what the value prop might be, uh, you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. You'll probably find your first attempt. um, You know, certainly if you're, if you're kind of doing it yourself and you haven't done this much before, you'll probably find that they don't really know. (laughs) They're Mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, sorry. I didn't really get anything from that in that, you know, and people will kind of say like, well, you didn't give me much time, you know, and and people will be very friendly with you, especially if you're working with, you're doing this kind of thing with your friends. You'll get, um, you know, people, people don't want to disappoint you. They want to tell right. you that your stuff is good. Um, so, you know, don't let them do that. Don't let them trick you into thinking that it's okay if it's not really okay. Because the, the general public, you know, the, the data is very clear. You've got just two or three seconds to, to kind of, you know, earn the next bit of time from someone. Um, and so, you know, yeah, just showing the phone. What do you think? Did this make sense? Um, that applies at you know an advertising level. That applies with with the videos. We have taken a lot of pains to try to make sure that uh, Facebook calls this B two B. You know, get your brand, your business name in the first two seconds of uh, of a video. So two, three. I mean, you know, it's but it's very short. You know, that you have to really make sure you're you're getting your kind of key starting messages across. Yeah. All right, Nathan. I want to make sure we have enough time to get through them all. All right. Yeah. Sorry. So what are we I'm on? Number three. Brevity here. Yeah. So we're on number three. Um, number three is make sure that you have kind of a robust footprint for your business online. It's not just your website. Of course, your website is kind of your home. It's your hub. It's your your calling card. But people will, depending on the kind of business that you have, they will expect to find you in all sorts of different places. Whether that's Google My Business or Yelp or a Facebook page or Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, in more B2B contexts like ours, we see things like Captera becoming pretty important. Yeah. Um, in, in, we're also like a, you know, kind of a, a, a web product business. So product hunt is a big deal for us. G2 is a pretty big deal for a lot of, uh, software platforms. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, know the places that people expect you to be and make sure you have a robust profile there. And again, it amazes me how many, Google My Business listings are unclaimed by the business owner. It's like oh, you're just leaving so much um, on the table to not put your very best foot forward in those key places. And yes. you know what are the key places? Again, it will vary, um, but it's almost like if you don't have that stuff, people just feel like it's just you know it's almost like is this business for real? You know, like are yeah. they still in business? You know, like it's it feels weird to 
uh, to find businesses that don't have those kind of core uh, things covered. Also very important as you're optimizing your website for search engines, that you're getting listed in those places and then you're linking back to your website. All that stuff helps. Yeah. All right, number four. Yeah, so closely related, pick a few of the key platforms and make sure you get a few reviews on those key Mm -hmm. platforms. I typically recommend trying to get to at least 10 reviews. Mm-hmm. We've done a, a lot of research on this. I, I've had some you know, past business experience that really revolved around reviews. And what we've seen typically is at around 10 reviews, a, a, a profile starts to feel trustworthy. Mm-hmm. With just one or two, you know, three or four, it feels very thin. It's like, it doesn't, doesn't feel super compelling. But you get to 10 and it starts to feel like, okay, there's enough kind of wisdom of the crowds here that, you know, and there's enough just proof that this business has some happy customers. Um, but, you know, it's a big proof point for many people in, you know, being comfortable engaging with a business or not. Yep. I really recommend, um, ask, and again, it depends a little bit on, on the kind of business that you have, uh, but I really recommend asking happy customers for reviews, like make that yes. a core part of your customer life cycle that you are going to, and I, I even recommend like setting that expectation. Again, it depends on the kind of business, right? If you're a restaurant and you serve 50 tables a night, you're naturally going to get reviews, right? If, mm-hmm. if 1% of your guests write a review, you'll get a review every other day and you'll have, you know, you'll have a lot of reviews in no time. So that, that works for high volume businesses, but so many businesses are much lower volume, right? If you're a real estate agent, again, to take that example from earlier, you know, the, the typical real estate agent may only do one or two deals a month. Mm-hmm. And so if you only get 1% of those, uh, those, those clients to review you, you'll be waiting years, you know, to get your next review. So be much more proactive about that. Yes. In a context like real estate, I would set a practice of saying upfront, at the end of this thing, I'm going to ask you for a review and I'm going to do everything I can to earn it. and you know, then circling back and and making good on that, that becomes a really powerful driver of validation. And when people find these profiles, it makes a huge difference in their confidence uh, in moving forward. So, you know, some of the profiles like Yelp does not, their official, you know, kind of stance is we don't want people to ask for reviews, but there's not really much they can do about it. Um, So you kind of just have to say, look, we're going to take, we're not going to leave this to chance, right? We're going to take matters into our own hands. And we're going to be proactive about uh, making sure that we get, um, you know, our, our happy customers to take that additional step for us. Yes, especially on platforms like Yelp, where people will often jump in when they have negative reviews to write. You want to make sure that you're actively going out there and getting people who are willing to write positive reviews. So you're you're uh, averaging that out a bit. Yeah, so that's really critical. Number five. Um, is make sure you have some ability to stay in touch with people. Mm-hmm. This is again something that will vary, you know, quite a bit. I think by the kind of business, but what we find at Waymark is when we run paid advertising, our product is such that you can buy it on the website with a credit card, mm-hmm. and we see actually a pretty good fraction of our customers do become customers on their first visit. It's about half. Uh, that's quite high. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, just in the nature of our product, right? We try really hard to make it easy to use. We have, you know, an easy checkout 
you know, on the credit card, uh, with a credit card form and all that kind of stuff. That's probably about as high as you could hope to get is about half of your customers literally buying on their first visit to your site. Mm -hmm. Invariably, at least half and probably a lot more in many cases will need more communication, more time, um, you know, more kind of relationship building than that. So what you don't want to do is have people kind of come to your site, you know, maybe sign up for something and then not hear from you. It's just a huge, you know, kind of wasted missed opportunity. So I typically recommend MailChimp for email campaigns because I think that's just like the easiest to use um, platform out there. There are, of course, other ones that are good too. And it a little bit depends on, you know, just how advanced you want to get into automation and that kind of thing. Um, but I would recommend some amount of automated email campaign for just about every business. Yeah. You know, that first moment when they engage with you, that is, that is your chance, you know, to kind of win um, more attention. And, you know, that, that same kind of challenge continues to go on in the first day, the first week, the first month. Um, we, by the way, get 98% of our conversions from somebody clicking on an ad to becoming a customer within the first month. It's like half on the first visit. It's like 75% probably within a week. And it's like, you know, high nineties by the time you get out uh, a month. Mm -hmm. So you have that kind of core window. And of course, you know, people come in kind of whenever they come in. So setting up some sort of automated thing to make sure that you're kind of following up and, and continuing to build the awareness that you already paid for, right? Like yeah. the, the great thing, I mean, MailChimp, you know, is not that expensive and it doesn't, um, you know, you're not paying per click, right? You're just kind of paying to use the tool. So make sure you, you got to kind of continue to mine your own people who are interested in you mm -hmm. to make sure you can get every dollar out of the, um, out of the ad spend that you have. This you can also you can also put those visitors to your website in a remarketing audience in your advertising in your advertising program, whether you're using Facebook or you're using Google, and you can keep reaching out to them again through ads. They become a warm audience. So you can touch them again over there as well. Yeah, well, you're uh, that's number seven. So you're anticipating <laughs> uh, where see. we're going. Um, but yeah, for sure. So I'll. I think I don't want to be too uh, get too lost in the weeds in terms of competition, but mm -hmm. one thing to keep in mind in, on all these platforms is unless you are totally unique, you're in competition with other businesses that are advertising and trying to reach the same audience with, you know, a somewhat comparable, if not, you know, very competitive offering. So the dynamic is that, you know, Facebook's trying to maximize their revenue. Google's trying to maximize their revenue. and the businesses that ultimately are able to really succeed are the ones that do the best job of getting ROI from the clicks that they pay for. Uh, because the, the cost per click ultimately kind of is driven up to whatever kind of the market can bear. And the, what the market can bear is determined by what people can actually get in terms of, you know, business outcomes from their advertising. So in a very real way, the, the competition in advertising is, Upfront, it's you know to capture attention and, and be more interesting than other companies and kind of win on that level. But then also downstream, it's about actually converting as much business as possible so that you can afford to pay the going rate. Um, so if you don't do these things, you kind of end up in a spot where 
those that do can afford to pay more and they outcompete you at the you know at the top end and so you're kind of priced out of uh of any substantial advertising that's a that's a really kind of difficult uh you know competitive dynamic for many business owners to get their heads around and, and it can be a difficult one to um uh, especially you know in we're when like us we're competing with all these other venture backed companies i mean it is cutthroat competition it's not so competitive in, in many local uh business niches but there is still competition and you, you really do have to kind of make sure you you get every uh, every bit of roi that you can from the advertising mm-hmm. so the last two things um are kind of again in that vein one of the top things i would do for any going business you can't do this if you're new but if you've been in business for a while and you're adding advertising is seeding your advertising with a custom audience yeah. so that is a pretty simple thing uh, but it's you know still kind of considered a bit advanced in the facebook world essentially what you do is you can you can use multiple different kinds of data points but the most common one is email addresses so if you have emails for people who have been customers before, you can upload that list into Facebook. That's called a custom audience. And then you can create what's called a lookalike audience based on that custom audience. And what Facebook will do is use, you know, all of the the data that they have. And, you know, obviously that's extremely extensive to identify people who have a lot in common with the people who have already been your customers. And that is just proven to be one of the most effective ways to improve your ROI. Facebook will kind of figure that out for you over time, even if you don't help provide that kind of seed information for them. Um, but you're going to spend more money upfront to run those ads so that Facebook can kind of eventually figure it out. So this is a massive shortcut to figuring out what your best audience, helping Facebook figure out what your best audience is and helping make sure you're getting ROI as quickly as possible. Um, relatedly, you know, these days they've simplified it quite a bit. And this is probably something that you, uh, you implement for customers sometimes as well. Uh, but getting the Facebook pixel on your site, and this is kind of number, number seven, seven, there is there now is a single pixel that you can install that can track all the activity that you need to track. That includes powering retargeting or remarketing. And that is, for most businesses, the highest ROI advertising that they can do, reaching people that are already a warm audience. Um, if you don't have you know, many people on your website, there's not much retargeting to do. So it's kind of governed by you know, how big your, your web traffic is. But you know, take advantage of every bit of remarketing that you can possibly do. Um, and also look at tracking conversions. It may just be a simple form, you know, completion, somebody signing up for your email list. It may be, in our case, it is an online purchase where there's actually, you know, a credit card transaction. But make sure you have a uh, uh, some sort of event that Facebook can track. And it can be as simple as just like if somebody reaches this page, you know, if they, if they reach the thank you page, then that is, you know, that counts as a success. Uh, but you got to tell Facebook what you want to optimize for and feeding that signal of what is success on your website back into the advertising infrastructure is really uh, critical to, to ultimately, again, allowing the, the platform to optimize on your behalf and ultimately getting you uh, the greatest 
ROI that you possibly can. So all of those things, um, you know, they're not that hard. None of them are super hard. The, the hardest certainly is like installing the pixel and doing that kind of setup. Um, and you may, you know, you may need a uh, website provider to help you out with that kind of thing. Um, but I think those are the things that give you a solid fighting chance um, in advertising. And then awesome. if you do all those things, uh, one thing I'll say you don't really need to worry about or, or, or you know, certainly I wouldn't pay people for too much these days is uh, secret targeting specialization. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are out there trying to sell, oh, we'll help you target your ads you know, way better. Uh, most of that stuff at this point is kind of snake oil. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend uh, doing business with people who are kind of saying, we've got the, you know, the double secret targeting, you know, sauce, like that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, it used to a bit more, but, and Facebook has largely kind of brought all of that into the platform. You really cannot just like, you know, tinker with things on Facebook and improve on what they can do. So that's a big red flag. Hard to beat platforms at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You really can't. So that's a red flag. If somebody is trying to sell you advertising services on a targeting like they have the best targeting strategies for you dimension, I would be very, very skeptical of that. Um, What does still make a huge difference though is creative. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, test typically multiple things. Again, what are the key messages? Um, That is where once you've kind of got these basics, something like 80% of your advertising effort should probably go into trying different creative and understanding what creative is and is not resonating with the audience. That's the, that's the one thing that, you know, the algorithm really still can't do for you. They can help you find your audience. They can help you reach your audience, but they can't really help you communicate effectively to people yet. So spending all of, and one day, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but um, Mm -hmm. for now, 80% of the, of the effort on an ongoing basis, you know, once these kind of baseline things are in place, uh, ends up going toward creative optimization. Yep. As the business owner, you're just in a really great position to optimize that messaging for your audience. Well, that's a wrap. If you enjoyed this episode of marketing made easy by Jotful, please give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. That helps other people find out about the podcast so they too can grow their businesses. And hey, while you're there, if you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, go ahead and click the subscribe button. That way, you'll never miss an episode. From all of us here at Jotful, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I'll meet you on the next one.